0: Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilly. Stand up with me and in your Bibles, turn to Luke's Gospel. Chapter 2, and uh, the word that the Lord gave to us at the beginning of this year is what? What did he say? He says, 2021 is going to be a year that you're going to trust the Lord more than ever before, right? So we've begun the year with this theme. We're going to finish the year with this same theme of trusting God. Today, we're going to read uh, from Luke chapter 2, these first six verses. I'm going to read it to you. You can follow along with me there in your Bible, or you can read it silently there on the screen. But it says this, In those days... A decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. It's a census. This was the first registration with Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can have a seat, and as you're sitting down, turn to the person next to you and tell them, I'm trusting God more than ever before. You know, when you study the scriptures um, and you look at the events that lead up to Jesus' birth, there is an emphasis on the word time in, in words that are related to the word time. And, and using various translations of the scriptures, you, see, you can see that the word time or timing is used about 16 different times just in the story of Jesus' birth. How many of you know that having a good sense of timing is a pretty key thing to have to to be successful in life? Okay, yeah. yeah, We we all know this. And, And if we're to reflect on our lives, we might say that even a lot of the stress that we deal with probably stems from a poor sense of timing. Either you're rushed because, you know, you're running late or maybe you feel like you're wasting time because, you know, you're just waiting around for something to happen. You know, I, I, how many of you lost track of time before? and Or or something put you behind and you were on your way to, like, to pick up your kids from school. And you're like that last parent that, like, squeals into the parking lot. Uh, anybody know what I'm talking about? I, I don't. I just outed you, though. I've never been late to pick up my kids from school. <laughs> or maybe, <laughs> maybe on the other end of things... You're like, well, I've got no other window, so I've got to go early. And you, you, you sit in your car in the pickup line for like 30, 45 minutes before school lets out, before the bell rings. And you're just sitting there and you're like, this is such a waste of time. I feel so unproductive sitting here. I could be doing something better with my time. One of the keys to success in life is like honing in on the right timing, the wise timing. You know when you do the right thing at the right time it can be fantastic can it But how many of you know that you can do the right thing or say the right thing but do it in the wrong time and it can still, and it can be disastrous Every husband is nodding their head right now they're like I've done some right things but they were in the wrong time and that hurt me in my marriage somehow it left me left me with scratching my head but Timing is everything. The difference between a good joke and a bad joke is... Timing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's interesting how that one worked out. The, the difference between paying a professional, a Major League Baseball player, $130 million to throw the ball for three years... That just happened this last week. That contract just landed, landed this week. The top, you know, the highest paid player in all of Major League history, $130 million for a three-year contract. The difference between that guy and a guy who's an amateur and gets paid zero is that pitcher's sense of timing and their ability in their timing to get the ball across the plate. Right? The the difference between good leadership and poor leadership sometimes, oftentimes, is timing. It's not just knowing what to do, but knowing when to do it. Timing is important. Timing is super important. It's not just knowing what to do, but when to do it. The season of Advent, the story of Jesus' birth, and, and now this second advent of how we're waiting for Jesus' second coming, it all tells us some important truths about timing, about God's timing in our lives. And if we understand how to cooperate with God's timing in our lives, we'll be blessed and not so much stressed. So t- today, I want to look at the advent story and look at some of the truths that, that that stand out to us about God's timing. The first truth is this. If you're taking notes, write this down. You can put it on a paper. You can put it on a note on your phone. But these are good things here, and you'll want to write these scriptures down as well. Number one, God has a timetable. He has a timetable for everything. We see this truth all throughout the scriptures. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 says, There is an appointed time for everything, and there is a time for every matter under heaven. God has a timetable for everything. He had a timetable for Christmas, and he has a timetable for your life. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 says, When the right time came, God sent his son, born of woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. That's why Jesus came, to show us who God is, to show us what he's like, to save us from our sins, and to adopt us into the family of God. Praise God. But notice the phrase. It says, when the time was right, God sent his son. Jesus came at just the right time. He didn't come too early. He didn't come too, come too late. Why, why 2,000 years ago? We don't know. Why not 2,000 years before that? We don't know. Why not 2,000 years later? We don't know. We just know from the scriptures that it's the right time. Jesus came at just the right time, which leads us to the second truth, and that's this, that God, about timing, God doesn't always tell us every detail in advance. He doesn't owe us all the details in advance. He has a timetable for you, but he doesn't owe you all the details. If you go back to Ecclesiastes 3 and you go down to verse 11, it says that God has given us a desire to know the future. He does everything just right and on time, but people can never completely understand what he's doing. How many of you would agree and say, yes, sometimes I completely just don't understand what God is doing. Why is that? Because God is God and we are not. For me to try to understand God's timetable is like an ant trying to understand the internet. (laughs) Does not have the capacity to do. Some of you are like, I don't understand the internet. I, okay, so, but if you could understand why God does everything, that, you know, does everything that God does and why He does it and when He does it, then God would not be God and you would be God, right? So, why do we? We've all got this desire to know the future, and and it's it's why some people get into this some misleading. And demonic kind of things like tarot cards and palm reading and astrology and um, uh, tassiography. You guys know what that is? It's like where you're trying to determine the future by looking at the the patterns of your tea leaves in your tea. Like, that's a thing. Crazy stuff, right? But it's because people are always in the pursuit of trying to know the future. But God tells us that he doesn't owe us the details. In advance. There's some things that God might give us words of knowledge about. There's things that He might say, Hey, heads up, this is coming. There's things that God has told me and Jamie before. And we thought, Oh, well, that's right now. That's gonna happen right now. And so we go out and we take a you know step of exploration out there and we realize, wait a second, God, I thought this was supposed to happen right now. And God comes back and says, No, I just told you that, so you'd get ready, you'd get prepared. And then two years later, that thing would happen. That's happened over and over and over again. So God gives us these hints that he wants us to prepare for, but he doesn't owe us every detail in advance. Why doesn't God tell you everything that's going to happen in your life before it happens? That would be nice, wouldn't it? But there's probably some reasons behind that. First of all, it probably would scare you to death, just knowing everything, right? I mean, like Jack Nicholson said, you know, you can't handle the truth, You know, you can't handle the details in advance. But but second of all, you'd probably abuse that knowledge. You know, if I knew everything that was going to happen in my life, I'd probably be like, well, okay, well, I don't like that part, so I'm going to adjust this and do this to avoid that. You know, kind of like Back to the Future. We'll go back in time, we'll change things around to you know change history moving forward. But one of the main reasons that God doesn't tell us in advance is because He wants us to. Trust him. Trust him. God says, Trust me. I'm good. Everything I'm doing in your life is because I love you. Trust me. Just trust me. Acts chapter 1, verse 7. Jesus said this He goes, You don't get to know the time. The Father, it's His time, timing is His business. So the subtext of that is, if it's the father's business, the subtext is, it's not your business. My mother-in-law, who many of you have met, she used to have a, a dog, a couple different dogs, and her famous saying, anytime time the dog would start to get into, into something that, that you know, she didn't want the dog to get into, it was always like, ah, that's not your business. That's not your business. And you know what? Some of the things that God's timing in our lives, it's not our business. It's the father's business. We're just too Trust him. Say, turn to someone and say, I'm trusting the Lord more than ever before. So stop trying to control everything. Stop trying to control everyone. God has a timetable for your life, but he doesn't owe you the details in advance. The third truth about God's timing is this. God is never in a hurry and he's never late. God's never in a hurry, and he's never late. He's always on time. His timing is perfect. God has a different view of time because he is timeless. It's been said that God simultaneously exists in the past, the present, and the future, that he holds time in his hands. And how is that possible? It's impossible for us to understand because we are finite beings but God is infinite. Second Peter chapter three verse eight says, "Don't overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as thousand years, and a thousand years as is one day." Now, does that sound like how we experience and exist within time? <laughs> no, of course not. It feels that way sometimes when I'm waiting for lunch. You know, it feels like, man, this is taking a thousand years. What's there? this is supposed to be a fast food restaurant? You know it feels like it's taking forever but but Peter isn't giving us an exact formula you know of, of how God exists within time okay that's not what he's doing. He's like, well wow we're, we've got the formula now we can do the math you know a thousand years so da-da-da. no that's that's not what Peter's doing. He's giving us the big picture, the big idea. he's giving us the gist of, of, uh, of that God is timeless that in no way he is limited by time and his timelessness, has huge, gigantic implications for our lives. When God created you, he put a dream in your heart. He put a vision in on the inside of you. We've got dreams with what we want to do with our lives. We've got vision and goals and plans and and projects and things. And early in life, we start off with fervor. We start off with with momentum and excitement about going after the vision, going after the plan, fulfilling the dream in our lives. But as life goes on, the dream fades and dissipates before it's accomplished. Why do we give up? Because it hasn't happened soon enough. It hasn't happened quickly. It hasn't happened fast enough. Some of us have had our dreams battered, and broken, and busted, and abused. Discouragement and disappointment have tried to bury our dreams, and maybe you've given up on them, but God hasn't. If God gave you that dream for your life, it's going to happen. It's just going to happen in his time, his timetable, not yours. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3, God says this, for the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hurries toward the goal, and it will not fail. Though it delays, I love that. It says it hurries toward the goal. But then the very next thing, it says, though it delays. <laughs> what, what's going on there? God, again, he's explaining, time is not a thing for me. It's hurrying and delaying. It's not a thing. He says, though it delays, wait for it. For certainly it will come, it will not delay long. How many of you have felt like you've had to delay long on some things? But it feels that way to us, but to God it's nothing. It's nothing. If your dream is something that you just made up, then God doesn't owe you that. (laughs) Right? He's not obligated to fulfill something that you've made up. But if it's a dream that he put in your heart and you're like, man, I know that God made me for this. Then he says, wait patiently. It'll happen. Don't give up on the dreams that God has given you. One of the hardest truths that we've got to learn and relearn over and over and over again is that God's timing is perfect, but our timing is imperfect we we have like veruca salt syndrome you guys remember her from willy wonka i want it now you know what a miserable child and we if we watch that movie you go back and you're like man that child is a product of that parenting that's another sermon anyway what a miserable child and somehow that's how we are sometimes i want it now daddy i want it now god this horrible british accent God's like, please don't talk to me that way. <laughs> but that's, what, that's how we are. We've got this Veruca Salt Syndrome. But, but God is never early and he's never late. He's always on time. The fourth truth about God's timing is that although God's timing is always perfect, it's not always convenient. God's timing is not always convenient for me. God's plan for your life is absolutely good. God's plan for your life is absolutely loving. But that doesn't mean that it's absolutely painless. God's timing is always best, but it's not always easiest. God's plan is not always convenient. Take, for instance, Jesus' birth. Nothing about this story was convenient. Not one thing. First of all, you've got Mary and Joseph. They're engaged. Mary's probably about 16 years old. Joseph, probably about 18. They're engaged. They've not slept together. Mary's a virgin, but she's pregnant. What? How is this possible, and who's going to believe this story? Those of you that have teenage daughters, just imagine your daughter coming to you and say, hey, Dad, hey, Mom, um, you know, I'm pregnant. I've never had sex, and the child is the son of God. What? (laughs) That doesn't seem like a very convenient story. It seems like this is crazy, right? You know, you think about, like, why Jesus couldn't work miracles in his own hometown because of the lack of faith from the people. Why did they have lack of faith? I mean, it's Jesus. He went and did perform miracles everywhere. Well, it's because the people in the hometown... They are all like, uh-uh-uh, oh, this is Jesus. He's like Mary and Joseph's boy. And those two are crazy. <laughs> She's a virgin and pregnant? Mm-hmm, yeah. And they couldn't see past the natural circumstances to see the supernatural. And because of that, they lost out on miracles. That's a freebie. And so you got this story. This is completely in, uh, inconvenient. And then all of a sudden, right in the middle of it, you've got Caesar Augustus, good old Rome. He's like, you know, what we're going to do is that we're going to call a census of the entire kingdom, of all of the empire of Rome. And you know what? We're not going to make it easy on everybody and just count people where they are. We're going to make everybody go back to their birthplace, and then we're going to conduct the census. We're going to count people there. I mean, what if tomorrow the U.S. government said, all right, it's time for another census, and everybody has to go back to their hometown, back to the place where they were born in order for us to count them? It would be chaos all across this country. Every plane would be booked. People would, would ride trains again. You know, I, you know I, some people do that, I think, still. <laughs> Every highway would be just packed full of traffic because some of us, so many of us, we don't live where we were born anymore. Some of us just have to cross town or go to the next county over, but some of us have to go across the country, and it would be crazy. And so this is the kind of of situation that we're looking at. Mary's in full-term pregnancy. She's ready to pop at any moment. Like, don't touch her. (laughs) And literally just days before she's ready to give birth, Joseph comes to her. Can you imagine being Joseph in this moment? Uh, Hey, girl, we got to talk. I know you Pregnant and all, and like ready to give birth to the Son of God at any moment, we got to go to Bethlehem. Joseph, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? It's like almost a hundred miles to Bethlehem. Now, some of y'all, ladies, you could testify to this. You know, if you, right before, days before you were giving birth, you wouldn't even want to drive in a car a hundred miles, let alone Mary, who probably, we don't know, either. Like it's always depicted that she rode on the back of a donkey, right? You know, but that's never said in scripture. You know, somehow that some artist drew that up, and maybe she did. It's possible, it's also possible she had to walk a hundred miles days before she gave birth. Does that sound convenient? There's nothing that sounds convenient to me about that. And not even to Joseph. How many of you guys would want to travel with your wife 100 miles, whether it be on the back of a donkey or by foot, right before she's ready to give birth? That's a big no. I'm sure he was just as unhappy about this as she was. Nothing about it was convenient. And then they get to Bethlehem. And, you know, in this this, uh, version that I read from here in the ESV, in verse six, it says um, there was no place for uh, for them in the inn, and so I think all the times we we picture like you know the the Holiday Inn, you know, or the Embassy Suites or Motel Six or whatever, it's like well all the rooms are booked up, but that that's not what they had back then. What they more than likely what this was talking about was the family home, because the census was being called, all the family from all over had to come, and there's no room for them in the home, and none of Joseph's family is willing to give up their bed for the crazy teenage couple that says they're pregnant with the Son of God. I ain't giving up my bed for them. But what we do have is a place for you out here in in the stables with the livestock, probably a small cave. And then now you've got Mary, who is having to deliver her very first baby by herself. Yes, Joseph is there, but she didn't have her mom there. She doesn't have her sisters there. She doesn't have her aunt or her cousin. She's there all by herself. Is that convenient? No, it's not convenient. Nothing about this was convenient, but this was God's plan and his timing because the prophecy said that the Messiah was to be born in the city of David, to be born in Bethlehem. Was it convenient? No. Was it God's plan? Yes. Was it as easy as a plan as Mary and Joseph would have planned? Absolutely not. I can't even imagine that they would have planned it this way. But was it God's plan? Absolutely, yes, it was. God has a timetable for your life. He doesn't always tell you the details in advance. He's always on time. He's never late. He's never in a hurry. And his timing is never usually convenient for us. And the final truth about God's timing is this. At the right time, God can do anything instantly. God can do more in a millisecond than you can do in five years or 10 years or 20 years or your entire lifetime. God doesn't worry about time because he doesn't have to have it in order to work. In order to do what he wants to do, in order to perform his will, he doesn't have to have time. God says this in Isaiah chapter 60, verse 22. He says, I, the Lord, will bring it about quickly in its time. We get hung up on the word quickly, but then the Lord's like, in its time. And you're like, God, this is taking forever. But then all of a sudden, quickly, it happens. At the right time, God can do anything instantly. The tr- this truth is hard for us to accept sometimes. Why? Because the most difficult place for us to be is in God's waiting room. What is God's waiting room? God's waiting room is, was, we're in a hurry for something to happen, but God isn't. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you have ever been in God's waiting room? Some of you are in God's waiting room right now. Some of you are like, I feel like this sermon. I'm in God's waiting room. No, I'm teasing. Some of you are in a hurry to graduate. I see some heads like, yeah. Some of you are in a hurry to get married. Some of you are in a hurry to have a family, to launch a new business, to close that big deal. Some of you are in a hurry to to see the fulfillment of the big vision, of the big dream, of the plan. And we're in a hurry for all kinds of different things, but God isn't. He's not in a hurry. And we're seeing time, we think, just getting shorter and shorter. And we're like, God, there isn't a lot of time left. When are you going to make this thing happen? You put this vision in my heart. But you got to remember, God doesn't need a lot of time. He, he's not like up in heaven going, well, uh, look at my day planner. I need two more years to get this done. God can do more in a second than we can do in a lifetime. So the question is this. If God can do everything quickly, then why are all these delays? What's up with that? I think that's a valid question. Why are there delays? Well, I think there's a number of reasons that there's delays. Number one, we have an enemy, right? I mean, the devil's real. Satan is real. The evil one is real, and he is there to kill, steal, and destroy. And it's his mission in life is to kill and de- steal and destroy from you, from the Lord, and to delay every good thing that God has in store for you. Another reason that there is delay is because of me—just my choices, my actions—sometimes delay what God wants. The third reason is that. That God is testing your faith. He's one, He's going. Will you trust me? Oh yeah, yeah. It's easy to, to quote the the Proverbs chapter three. You know, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He'll direct your paths. It's easy to trust, but do you really do you really trust Him? Can you not just quote the scripture, but can you live the scripture? And then also. Why are there delays? To build our character. See, while you're working on your vision, God's working on you. And God's far more interested in you than what you're trying to accomplish. Why? Because you're not bringing to heaven with you your accomplishments. You're bringing to heaven your character. Sometimes God says, yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally, absolutely intend intend to fulfill the vision, but you're not ready yet. When are you going to start coming into agreement with being who I've called you to be? When are you going to start conforming to my word instead of conforming to the world? You're not ready yet. I'm ready, but you're not yet And a lot of times we think that we're waiting on God to answer a prayer, and and instead God's like, no, 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 you're not waiting on me. I'm waiting on you. I'm trying to prepare you. I'm testing your faith. Will you trust me? I'm trying to grow you because what I'm wanting to do in you and through you is far greater and bigger than what you can handle right now. You're not ready for it yet. Isaiah chapter 49 verse 8, God says, At just the right time. We see that that phrase throughout Scripture about 96 times. At just the right time, I will respond to you. God will respond to you at just the right time. Another thing that we've got to learn is that delay is not denial. Not yet doesn't mean no. You know, you tell a kid, you know, mom, they come up, mom and dad, "Mom, mom, dad, I got, well, not yet. And what do they do? They have a meltdown right there. Oh! Why? Because they heard not yet, and what in their said that means no. But they don't understand that not yet, or not right now, doesn't always mean no. It just means not at this time. And immature children get that way, and we don't need to be like immature children. We need to lean in and trust God that when he says not yet, that the, the, the delay is not a denial. And not yet is not necessarily a no. God's saying, yeah, I intend to do these things in your life that I gave you the vision for, but the time isn't right. But at the right time, I will respond. Why is this important for us to know? Because when you're in God's waiting room, it's easy to give into to temptation. When you're in a hurry and God isn't, It's easy to try to like, well, we're just going to push the ball forward here ourselves. Anybody heard of a guy named Abraham? I mean, we see that all throughout Scripture through a lot of different stories, a lot of different accounts. People just, oh, we're just going to do this. And they give into the temptation. When you're in a hurry for something to happen and it isn't happening, you tend to just lean in, or you have the temptation to lean in to the negative emotions. You start worrying. You start stressing out. You get anxious and irritable. You, you, you get spiritual ADD, right? And you get distracted. You forgot. of Well, well, we are just going to abandon that and we'll go on to the next thing. You get envious. And you get jealous. He got the promotion. Why not me? They had a baby. Why can't we get pregnant? They're doing great in their business. Why can't I close this deal that I've been working on? We get these negative emotions, and we let them take control of us. We let them get us frustrated, and we throw ourselves a pity party. But what we need to understand is that sometimes delays are not denials, but they are by design. Some of the delays are by design. God is teaching us to trust Him and He is growing us up and developing us. So, what do we do while we're in God's waiting room? How are we to respond? If we're not to give in to the temptation, how should we respond? Four things fear not. Fret not, forget not, faint not. Fear not, God is with you. Fret not, stop wasting your time and your energy, worrying and trying to figure everything out and to control everything and everyone. Forget not the goodness and the faithfulness of God and faint not. Don't grow weary in well-doing because at just the right time, you will reap a harvest of blessing if you do not give up. We're gonna talk more about those four things next week. Why not you stand with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we... Uh, read this story about the coming of Jesus, we see that you were at work all throughout it. And it all seemed to happen suddenly, but you were doing things behind the scenes for hundreds and thousands of years. And God, I thank you that just as you were committed to bringing your son Jesus to this earth to show, to reveal to us who you are to pay the penalty for our sins, and to make a way for us to enter into the family of God. Just as you are committed to that, you are committed to fulfill the visions and the dreams that you have placed in our heart. Holy Spirit, help us discern these things in life that that we don't give our time and our energy and our focus and our affections to just our own natural desires and and the dreams that we just make up out of the flesh, but Lord, that we would give our attention and our energy and our resources and our affections and desires to the dreams that you have placed in our heart. Lord, I pray right now for the people here who may not even know what those things are. They may not even feel like they have a vision from you, a plan from you. God, Holy Spirit, I pray you'd start leaving them breadcrumbs, a trail of breadcrumbs, and just one clue at a time, they begin to to figure it out and begin to see the big picture of of what you've called them to do. And God, I know that you're not going to give everyone, all of us, the details in advance, but God, drop some morsels. God, even, even the dogs get to eat the crumbs from the table. So reveal to people's hearts what you've created for them. And then, God, those who feel like they are growing weary in well-doing. Holy Spirit, I pray you blow a wind of strength into their life. Blow a wind of strength into their energy, into their mental capacity, into their schedules, into their resources, God, into their ability to persevere and their ability to wait well. God, we want to trust you more than ever before. Help us do it. Help us trust your timing. In the name of Jesus. Before we're dismissed today, I want to encourage you. Our prayer team is going to come down right here down front. Of this barn and they're going to be here for you to pray with you for any anything that you have going on in your life that you want somebody to pray with you about don't leave this place if there's just even an inkling about something come down here and pray with one of my friends in the prayer team we're going to believe together and have faith together according to god's word about your situation if you're here today You're far from God and you need to repent and get things right with him and turn your life over to Jesus. Come down here. Pray with one of our friends here on the prayer team. We've actually got a gift to give you a book to give you called What's Next. And we want to get to know you and walk with you as you follow Jesus. Amen. Now, God, I I, I bless these people. Lord, I thank you that you said to your servant Moses that every time Aaron and the priests would pray this over the people, God, that you would be in agreement with it. Lord, that you would bless them, that you would keep them. You would make your face to shine upon them. You would lift your countenance upon them and give them your peace. In the name of Jesus, everybody said amen. Amen. Thanks for listening.